0: and loads of hell yes for your fertility journey. It's time to get fearless, baby, fearlessly fertile. Let's do this. Welcome to the Fearlessly Fertile podcast, episode 182, the Mr. and Mrs. Austin series, fertility journey. What? Hey loves, this week I'm so excited because we are starting in on a series that has been on my heart to dive into deep Relationships. Why? Because even the strongest relationships can take a beating on this journey. And if you want to come out on the other side of yours with your baby, your relationship, and your sanity, you can't afford to neglect your relationship. Now, I know you're thinking, but Roseanne, I'm doing so much already treatments, diets, lotions, potions, holding down a full time plus job, trying to do self care. I have to look after my relationship, too? Um, yeah. Who the fuck else is going to do it, love? Do you really want to leave the fate of your relationship to your partner? Yeah, I didn't think so. Now, look, that isn't to say that our partner couldn't do it, but let's be honest, mama. Let's be honest. You aren't the kind of woman who just sits back and watches shit burn to the ground. You are a go-getter on all fronts. Now, the problem is this journey isn't like everything else that might come up in your relationship. You've got to have a different set of tools and a different perspective, which is why we're doing this series and ultimately why I've launched my brand new program, The Fearlessly Fertile Relationship, which enrollment is open for now. My alumni and VIPs got their invitations last week and it's open to the public now with some really awesome pricing and bonuses that are going to be available only until the 27th of August. So if you are interested in doing better for your relationship, so ultimately you can do better for your baby and your family, you got to take a serious look at this. But back to our topic today, here's another reason why your relationship is so critical on this journey. And, and I hope you listen to this carefully and recognize that it, it really is this important. So our relationship is the first place we dump our stress. And it's the last place we look for blocks. Eek! Bad move. Think about that. You see, pent-up resentments, slights, disappointments, frustration, losses, poor communication, lack of perceived reciprocity, and needs not being met are a recipe for creating blocks to your baby in your relationship. Yes, your relationship can create blocks to your baby. Because when you feel isolated, alone, unseen, judged, pressured, and like a host of other things by your partner, how can you possibly trust them? And if you don't trust your relationship, it's exponentially harder to trust yourself, your body, and this baby. Your relationship is the foundation upon which your family is built if you happen to be partnered. So shit's got to be solid. And this journey will quietly eat away at your relationship if you aren't careful and can make you doubt your partner and maybe even have you wonder if they're willing to go the distance. Scary stuff. This is where I see women freak out about their partner pulling the plug, wanting to stop trying or making scary ultimatums. We're going to get to all of that, goodness, in this series, so buckle up. But I just wanted to really frame this up for you about why this is so important cuz 9 times out of 10, we're telling ourselves, "Oh, shit's going to get better once our baby gets here." And I really want to lovingly, you know, grab you by the shoulders and say, look, you can't afford to wait that long to attend to your relationship because if you wait for your baby to get here and you have let your relationship go, what you may find when you go back to try to to reconnect and, and get things straight might be so tattered and torn from this relationship that you may be quite surprised. So don't make that mistake. And having coached women to fertility success for the past eight years, I got to tell you, I have seen kind of both sides of this. And then having lived it myself, I've seen what this journey can do. So this isn't something that you can fall asleep at the wheel. You know, when when it comes to this, you can't fall asleep at the wheel. You've got to be as assiduous with your relationship as you are with your treatments, diets, and everything else that you're doing, because your relationship is the foundation of the family that you're building mama so that's why we're going to be spending a good amount of it time and attention on this and you know I wanted my husband to come on to the podcast because he's a red-blooded marine former first responder amazing dad and all around hell of a guy he's steady-handed grounded and I think most people relate to him and I think he brings a perspective that is fresh Unabashedly masculine and at times fairly hilarious. So, all of that being said, let's get into this with Mr. Austin. Okay, babe, why don't you start us off by just sharing a little bit about like when we first realized that things weren't going exactly as we had hoped when we were trying to conceive Asher? Like, what were some of the things that were going through your head when? You heard me talking about going to see a fertility doctor, start looking at other options. Like, what was going through your mind?
1: I guess the first thing that went through my mind was probably a, a, a fair bit of confusion. Maybe I was uh, young and dumb and naive, but I believed what my teacher said that one plus one always equaled a third, and we weren't getting that that third piece and. I was confused, and you, being the solution oriented individual you are, uh, immediately started looking for the answer, and I just thought maybe a little bit more time and time ultimately did pass while you looked for a solution, and we found ourselves driving all over the place, doing insane things to try and make this happen and so yeah, I, I confusion was my initial reaction.
0: And so when you say one plus one equals a third, you mean like the two of us together, we're going to equal Asher.
1: Yes. Yes. We are a a total of two and the two of us doing things uh, always equal the third, according to my teachers in school.
0: <laughs> well, so, okay. So what were some of the things that were going through your mind when you, I mean, because it's, it's, You know that I'm a solution-oriented person, as you said. So it probably would have been relatively easy to kind of sort of stand by at that point because you see me going into attack mode. Like, did you feel the immediate need to go into the same kind of crazy as I did?
1: No. When you see me pick up a chainsaw, you don't come running to get in the way. (laughs) And so when you get into finding a solution to something, I stay out of it. It's difficult to get in my wife's, uh, path of vision when she's wielding wild notions. Uh, you don't want to be a victim of those wild notions. So I thought I could sit back and I, I I probably did for a fair amount of time, but sitting back ultimately turned into, uh, different forms of worry and stress and anxiety, uh, over so many different topics.
0: Let's talk about some of the, the stress and anxiety that you had, because I think that, you know, we spent a lot of time looking at the woman in the partnership and, you know, see her doing the diets, the lotions, the potions, the treatments, and, and like me, you know, mapping out a Napoleonic attack plan, you know, for, for how we're going to make this happen. So it would be awesome if you would just share a little bit about like, what were some of your concerns?
1: I think the the biggest concern that I can recall that was the most genuine for me was that one of us was more committed to the process than the other, and that oscillated back and forth. I felt uh, that there were times where I thought uh, I I could be pushing you too hard. There were times where I thought you were pushing us too hard, and the 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 individual commitment to the process was not equal and i I didn't want to feel like i wasn't participating and and supporting, and i didn't want uh, you to have any concerns that i wasn't willing to see this process through, whatever the process was i 'm speaking obviously in general terms, and i didn't want you to feel as though you you weren't receiving the support, and it was it was difficult because finding a solution on my end, it, it doesn't seem as equitable for the men's half uh, to carry their share of the burden. It certainly falls far more to the the female half of, of the relationship to pull a lot more of this stress and this weight.
0: Yeah. Well, and some of that's that, it, you know, we create ourselves because I think truth be told, like, I don't, I don't know back then that you would have known how to support me cuz like i mean one of the things that this journey really taught me was was how to communicate cuz i know for a fact that you know when when this became a reality like at first it was fine like i was thinking okay you know this isn't working so we're going to go have some treatments and this will, this shit will be resolved by may <laughs> you know what i mean like that's kind of what i was thinking but as time was going on i think i was getting more and more discombobulated because all of the typical logical and linear things that I was trying and that we were trying, it just wasn't working. So, I mean, from your perspective, did you even know back then how to support me?
1: No, I, I supported you in the in the standard ways that I could, as if you were preparing for a jury trial that I knew was stressful to you, and supported us uh, just as generally as I could with regards to our our relationship. But yeah, I, I felt like I was. Fumbling along a lot and not knowing how to aid was was really difficult, and certainly created a sense of inadequacy.
0: Would you say back then that I was an excellent communicator? Uh,
1: no. I you think you're an excellent communicator now? I don't know who you're fooling. But uh, it, it, the communication is certainly it is certainly evolved. I think there were things that we were probably both just flat out scared to talk about. I don't think it was scared of bringing it up with a partner at the time. I, I just think it was uh, generally topics that you know we spent a, a majority of our life never thinking about. And then all of a sudden, how do, you, how do you speak about it? You have to get that stuff clear in your own mind. And then, well, how do I communicate that to somebody else that's going through what you might perceive uh, to be a more difficult time with it. It's, it's difficult. How do you, how do you communicate those things?
0: Well, and I think for us, I mean, specifically as a couple, I mean, because of our former professions, you know, like I, I don't think, Oh, I, not that I don't think I know for a fact, I did not have the skill to even articulate what was going on for me, because I think so much of what was going on inside of me I didn't know how to talk about. And I was also confused by, because I think, and I'll be curious to hear your perspective on this as well. This was the first time in my life that I ever struggled to achieve something. You know, everything else was fairly logical, fairly linear. I, I would put, you know, X amount of effort in and get X amount of results. And, you know, being the high achievers, super type A people that we are, like this Kicked me on my ass. And it really got me incredibly uncertain about what was next. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, yeah, I think when you're confused about what's taking place physically, it's hard to communicate that through words. You're a much better communicator than I am. Uh, Sometimes I'm accused of oversharing, but uh, that's because I think a lot of my just general disposition is to just. Talk it out loud, and 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 at some point, something's going to make sense. Uh, but even even at that, the the feelings that were manifesting in me and and what I felt between us were just again completely uncharted territory. So how do you communicate something you've never seen, never felt, never never dealt with? And, and as a as a guy, you know, you, not many men have places to go talk this out with a buddy before. They can uh, talk it out with their their partner. So you know, I didn't have a sounding board with my friends to see if something made sense, and so it was just simply left to me uh, echo around in my silly brain about how I'm going to say that uh, I, I didn't like a, a process that we were embarking on, or that um, I didn't feel that. Something we were doing was of great benefit. Uh, sometimes being along for the ride, regardless of the benefit, it was the way I I felt I could support. So I, you know, smiled and and had and honestly had a, had a great time, even even in the face of craziness. Had fun because it was a, a mindset shift to try and go. You know what? Let, let's just if if she feels like she needs this. Perhaps deep down she doesn't believe that this is going to be the 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 one hug that changes it all. But
0: oh, and just so as you're listening to this and you're trying to figure out what my husband's talking about, I'll just interject. I I dragged my husband a few hours away from our our home to get a hug from a hugging saint. I thought maybe that would bless our journey and that would bring Asher in a little faster. And my my husband had to go through. I think what was probably one of the craziest things you had ever experienced standing in line for hours to get a hug from this woman. And I, I could tell that you were it was taking you to the
1: brink. Yeah. Hot, sweaty, middle of summer. It, um and yeah, I did I was I found that to be questionable. But you know, on the other hand, I also wanted to believe in in some uh aid was out there, something that would defy the numbers that we were provided by "Quote unquote professionals," so I I really felt like I was uh, lost uh, in in my ability to communicate with with what I thought would be best. And I, if I wasn't lost, and I I felt pretty certain about it, it it didn't mean that I was confident that I could communicate it to you. Mm
0: -hmm. What were some of the things like when you started to see me? Which we can laugh about now, but you know, when we were going through it, like when you started seeing me going off the rails a little bit, you know, what were some of the things that were were going through your mind?
1: Yeah, I I, I saw the the ends to which you were willing to go, to what you were going to put yourself through. That was a measure of self-torture. And I remember coming home and you were sitting on the edge of the bathtub turning gray trying to give yourself a shot with you know like the some weird dry sweats thing going on i and i knew right then that you weren't capable of stopping and that you weren't capable of telling yourself this would this was going to be the last round uh, or whatever the case was that you were going to drive yourself into a place of Uh, quite honestly, a very unhealthy place to try and uh, beat this into submission.
0: Well, and I think, and I I actually remember that when, when you came home and I I think, and I think what was crazy about that is I was giving myself a shot. You, you must have worked the night before or something like that. Cause I was giving myself a shot. The, you know, it was during a trial. So I was trying to get this shot done before I had to get to work. And it was it was crazy, and I think that there were times on our journey when we just kind of looked at each other, and I, it felt more like survival. It really felt more like we're just trying to get through this. Did you feel that?
1: Get through it. Oh, man. Yeah, there there certainly were, were elements of trying to uh, suffer through it, I think, at times. It was extremely difficult for me to watch you do some of the things you had to do. Um, I don't like sitting in um, doctor's offices. It's it's tough for me. Um, I can do things in the moment, but you sit there and, and think about that sort of stuff. And and there were some procedures and, and shots and uh, shot after shot and trips here and there, long, quiet drives. And I think some of that road therapy certainly helped us get through a lot of stuff but it was, it was difficult. And I think ultimately, if you had thought it, you had not said it, but we, were, we had reached an end of our journey at that time where what was taking place was not going to get us to where we wanted to be. And uh, we weren't going to continue down that path. We were going to change it.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, what you're alluding to is is really shifting our mindset, the way that we were living, shifting the way that we thought about ourselves and the way that we thought about our approach to this. Because I think we we kind of hit a wall where suffering it it just couldn't continue to be our way. Like we, you know, we were on this journey for so long that I, I think that both of us probably were terrified at the idea of spending the rest of our lives in that way. And, on the other hand, not doing everything we knew to do in order to get to Asher. I think that we were kind of in a place where we knew we were we believed for him, we knew we believed that there was going to be a way, but we couldn't keep doing what we were doing. Something had to change and And I remember, like when I started studying and really shifting my mindset, learning how to do that, that you know things did start to open up for us. But what do you think the impact on you was in starting to kind of change the way that we thought?
1: Well, I, I think we were realizing that that path we were on was going to cost us something much more than failures. It was going to cost, uh, I, I honestly thought it was going to cost your health just the way you were leaning into the process. And if it cost your health, could it cost us our relationship? and if i was thinking like that then perhaps you were thinking like that and we were thinking the wrong way period and so when we started listening and learning to other people and other things and shifting our mindset it really it completely changed i think everything it really did and, and it was a, it was a matter of a as i recall a, a reasonably short period of time where we made a very definitive decision to change our mindset and change our lives and everything changed for us.
0: So what were some of, you know, cuz I think that, you know, we've talked about the the physical things that, you know, would stress you out seeing me, you know, doing all the crazy supplements, driving hundreds of miles a week to all these different appointments, getting poked and prodded. Like how much were you concerned about you know the 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 money we were investing the the time we were investing, like because I one of the things that I hear from women all the time is, "Oh, my partner's not going to go for that or blah, blah 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 blah. like but from your perspective, I mean, were you really concerned about that kind of stuff?
1: To a moderate degree, I was more concerned about the what not spending would cost us. I was more concerned with, if we don't try this, we'll always have that question in the back of our mind that we could have done something more. We could have done something else. We could have changed our approach and we didn't. And living with that regret is more costly to me than the financials of it were at the time. We weren't, you know, we were both government employees. Uh, your salary, I could make overtime, which obviously I, I did. Uh, to, to help us along with these sorts of things, but we were still living, doing the other things that we wanted when the processes, the processes that we're embarking on, weren't getting in the way. We, we quite honestly stopped living our life to go down this path. And so it wasn't, wasn't necessarily the money, uh, the money we spend typically leads us down to you know something that we can appreciate and, and look back fondly on. Anyway, yeah, you know, I've spent bad money, but hey, that's how it goes. But I, I wasn't. It seemed daunting. It did at the, at the at the beginning. But when I, when I think back to my perspective of, well, I'd rather spend the money and exhaust my efforts than have money for a, a bass boat and sit out on that bass boat and think about, well had we spent it here maybe this would have happened maybe this wouldn't have happened but for me I'd rather pay money to not live with regret
0: i think we both i mean that was definitely one of the most interesting lessons for us because you know we came into this journey with like our thought process uh, you know our abundance mindset the way that we think like about everything was so different you know, we live by statistics. And, you know, if somebody in a white coat told us this, then we thought it was over. Right. And and I think that was one of the the biggest changes, I think, that we noticed in ourselves because for so long we were handing authority over to other people and, and we didn't really see ourselves as having the kind of license and agency that we see now. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, it wasn't very far into the process where I think we felt a very significant mistake and we learned a, a harsh lesson very, very quickly. And we vowed not to make that mistake again, not just in the, any sort of process we embarked for fertility, but hopefully for the rest of our lives, because I don't think either one of us had ever had that experience in handing over what we, you know, everything to somebody that we were just ultimately flat out uncomfortable with. Uh, and that was that was a big mistake, but we didn't make it again. I don't think we've made it since. And that was that was a that was a big harsh lesson early on, for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think it. You know, being in a position where we're being told, you know, look, this ain't gonna happen for you. This is gonna be really hard. I mean, I think that was a giant wake up call for both of us because I don't think in either one of our respective careers. We had ever really been told no. You know, we were used to being able to find a solution to things, and the idea that oh, well, the numbers say this, so you're only going to get that. You know, I think both of us, in you know, as individuals, but then again, as a couple, found ourselves saying nah. Like, I I think we were knocked on our ass for a minute because we were because we had typically been trained, you know, culturally and probably even professionally to subordinate what we believed to, you know, somebody in a white coat. So I think when, and I even talk about this in in the first book where, you know, we were told that first time, oh yeah, this ain't going to happen. You need donor eggs. I mean, I think, I remember being catatonic in that moment, like, oh my gosh, like there's no hope for me. And I think that's really what you're talking about here is being able to pivot and kind of you know learning a really hard lesson really quick that there's going to be a lot of people around us that don't believe and we have a choice we're either going to believe in ourselves or we're going to allow ourselves to just go down a dark road and allow somebody else's opinion to distract us from what our dream was which i think was really shocking because we up to that point had never really been through anything like that we were used to to leading
1: yeah you know, it's not like we don't believe in numbers. i I, I completely understand that doctors have a, a place where numbers make sense, but and and I think their numbers would have really made sense and that would have been our future had we continued living that life. I, I think the numbers are what they are because there are a lot of people in our position that have subordinated. Their feelings and listen to the numbers and and I was I was always bothered by you know those are other people's numbers. What? Why do they have to be ours? And going through the process that you know, like you said, donor eggs or whatever the case was. I'm like, what? The, those those numbers belong to other people. They don't have to be our story. And then ultimately, when we started believing that that those numbers didn't have to be our story, it it ultimately they weren't our story. They were not. And. Those numbers work for people. Those numbers victimize people that the the people we were at the beginning. They they don't equal out for people that we became.
0: Right. Oh, I think that's that's such a brilliant way of saying that. I think that's that's really. I mean, that sums it up. As we sit here today, you know, what are some of the things that you would want? partners to be hearing about? Like, you know, when this first, because like the the title of this episode is fertility journey, what? You know, like, what are some of the things that you would encourage the other half of this couple to be thinking about, you know, as, as they make their way through maybe the initial part of their journey or you know maybe this is the first time they've ever stopped to actually think consciously like what's going on here what's going on in my relationship you know what are some of the things that you would encourage them to think about
1: i would say looking back for me being a defender of our relationship and defender of my wife i feel like it, it was my responsibility to protect her and us from things that we're just out of place for us, and I didn't have the courage to speak up and say no this 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 isn't feeling right for us uh, i i don't I didn't have the background in doing anything like that, and those were completely new experiences, but having the courage to stand up to any professional uh, of any topic and say, you know simply this doesn't feel right for us it, there's no obligation to provide any more explanation than that, and then go home and talk about it with the partner and figure out a, a, a better game plan and figure out what is what is truly needed. Because just allowing some of the things to take place that we allowed to take place, I knew deep down I should have spoken up. I should have had the courage to say something. But you know, there's a few times in my life where I just haven't had the courage to do the right thing at the right time, and and uh, those were there were certainly. Um, one of those at the very beginning. And I I think it was a quick, swift correction. And we certainly had a lot of challenging events after that, that we ultimately stood up together and said, no, this isn't going to be right for us. And we moved past those.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate that. I mean, what about, like, I think it was an interesting point that you made about standing up because I think as a partner, it, it can, you can feel sort of Gutted because you're kind of watching, you know, your other half running around like a crazy person, you know, doing all these things. And sometimes they're scary. Sometimes they're scary looking. Sometimes they're scary sounding. And, you know, I think at least what I observed in you is that, you know, when you initially saw something and you weren't sure about it, you know, you'd want to stop it and say, no, like this isn't, this isn't for us, as you were talking about. But I think it was also, you did a really good job opening up and being open to the ideas that I was presenting you with. Like, okay, well, this is why I want to do this or this is why I want to do that. Like what are some of the things that you would encourage a partner to like ask about? Like what are, what are some of the things you wish you had asked more about or wished you, you knew how to communicate better about?
1: Well, I mean, even, Recently, my perspective isn't always the same as yours. You've looked at something, you've done some research, uh, you've heard something, you've spoken to somebody, and you might bring something with all of this knowledge in your mind, without communicating one drop of it to me, and just saying, "I want to do this," and it doesn't make any sense to me, not one bit. Uh, and so, my initial reaction is, "Yeah, you're you're a kook, uh, you're crazy." uh and then i think your response to that is well you know what i'm i'm going to show you <laughs> um you don't necessarily have to you know quote unquote show me in some aggressive manner but uh it's the background that you have that i typically need that usually sways me to a a, a better understanding of oh well yeah okay that makes sense now i understand so ladies uh you know, give your men the full background. Don't you got this inner monologue going and going and going. And then all of a sudden you just blurt out exactly what you want. It w- makes it difficult on guys and, and, and guys, we, um, are no based, I think <laughs> we are no driven or, you know, so, uh, there, there's a background and, uh, there's a trust and there's a love. Um, we need to be, uh, searching for the inner monologue, uh, sometimes more than what we get from the uh, external monologue.
0: Well, and so, I mean, I think what's interesting about what you're saying is, is that, you know, don't be afraid to ask. And like, and asking questions doesn't necessarily mean it's, I mean, because I can't imagine, like you're a grown man, I'm a grown woman. There's, There wasn't going to be anything, li- you know, that you're going to say, no, no, I don't want you to get help. No, I don't want you to, you know, I, I, I don't want you to have this baby. I mean, like, I think that the no's that you were saying initially were fear-based. W- what do you think?
1: Oh, man. Uh, the no's probably would have been, I would, I would say that they were no, tell me more. But I never said the tell me more part. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, because I, I don't, I never tell, you no outright, no, you're not going to do it unless it's anybody has a dumb idea of bringing another dog home. It's no, and I don't want to hear more period. <laughs> but back then, and even today up in through what we're, what we're doing now, uh, I, I should, I should really have something just written on the wall. If I tell you, no, it means no, tell me more. Um, cause I probably just won't say it.
0: That's good to know. Well, I appreciate you joining us for this first installment of the Mr. and Mrs. Austin series, babe. Really kind of talking about some of the initial thoughts, like when when this journey first showed up in our lives. And just kind of to round this out, like, is there any other message that you want to give to a partner that is like maybe just hearing this kind of stuff for the first time? Like, maybe this is the first time uh, their wife or partner says to them, hey, I want you to listen to this podcast. This dude is on there talking about what it was like to be on the other side of their, you know, the other half of this journey. Like, is there any like point of encouragement or even like a, a call to consciousness that you would want to give?
1: Yeah, and I know we're going to talk about so much more. Uh, so I don't want to give the the whole surprise away or any of them for that matter. But just in general, I I remember... Uh, very vividly a conversation as we were um you know thrashing our heads in agony driving across the country. Uh how you said that uh I wish somebody was out there that had been through all of this that I could talk to or that I could listen to. And this is the opportunity uh we've we've been, been through a lot. And uh guys typically don't have a lot of people to to sound this off of. So hopefully there's out there, hopefully we'll provide you with something that you can hear. Uh, and I know I have a short attention span. I imagine you do too. So, and hopefully there's something that, that uh, are easily digestible and helpful.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on babe loves. I hope that you and your partner have gotten something out of this conversation that I had with my husband and you know the, clearly this is not the easiest thing to be talking about and i really hope that this is an opportunity for you to just take a moment and and think about things from your partner's perspective you know your relationship is is such a dynamic thing and relationships on this journey are challenged because you are two individuals having both an individual as well as a shared experience as a couple And unless you have some pre-existing condition, you know, most of us are not thinking about this shit. Most of us are thinking about like honeymoons and rainbows and white picket fences at some point, right? We're not thinking about a long and treacherous fertility journey that, you know, rattles every last insecurity that we have, you know, personal, spiritual, financial, professional, all the crazy shit. So in this series, it is our sincere hope to really kind of Walk, you know, like a beach entry to a pool. We're gonna kind of move everyone through this, you know, in a in a linear way, but also in a gradual way because you know nobody necessarily wants to jump straight into the gory details. But I think it's also an opportunity for you to hear from a man's perspective, you know, really what's going on. And and sometimes you know there's this tough exterior, and and you can think to yourself, wow, well, they all, you know, shouldn't they know this, or why are they not X Y Z and I I hope that this is bringing some humanity and really some accessibility to what's going on so that not only can you understand what your partner's going through, but to also have the opportunity to think about this from a 360 perspective, you know, really look at this in, you know, like fifth dimensional chess in a way, like really seeing the picture, not just from your perspective, your partner's perspective, but also your perspective as a couple. And if you know that working on your relationship, working on your couple is, is something that you know needs attention. Cause look, you don't have to be in you know, in dire straits in your relationship to be looking at it. In fact, smart women are going to get in front of this shit and, and really allow themselves to, to get in front of it and say, look, I love my life. I love this baby and I love my relationship. I, I want it all. I want, I want this incredible life that I know in my soul I was meant to have. And if that's something that you want, then make a point of joining us for the fearlessly fertile relationship. In this four-week intensive, we're going to go deep into what it takes to really reset your relationship, get past the nagging, get past the worrying that your partner's going to tap out, get past any worries that you have that like, you know, is this person actually going to be there for me? Like, I feel like I'm doing everything. And all of the crazy crap, the resentments, the frustrations, all of this stuff that can be quietly eating away at your relationship, we are going to, we're going to take the bull by the horns in the fearlessly fertile relationship. And I'm going to teach you ways to really strengthen this relationship, because when you strengthen your relationship, you are strengthening the foundation of this family. You're going to learn effective communication, how to be in your feminine more, how to receive from your partner how to speak to them in a way that's really going to be persuasive and get them on the same page so that you're not constantly worrying about whether or not they have your back. And and really working as a couple to, to have great boundaries with friends and family and and how to stay focused on the love that you share so that, you know what, you can have some freaking normalcy as you live this journey. So check out the Fearlessly Fertile Relationship. You will find the link in the show notes here. You're also going to be able to find uh, it in my link tree on Instagram. And we are blasting out emails to my list all about this. So take advantage of the opportunity to get fearless in your relationship. Till next time, change your mindset